This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. So we're going to talk about some things today to put a little kingdom hope back in you, and maybe life has detoured you, and life can detour every one of us through hurts, pains, disappointments, worries, just the different things we all experience, whether it's uh, financial setbacks that... Man, it seems like my career isn't what I intended it to be, but God can move in your heart. He can move in your life. And one of the, the messages that you find throughout the Bible over and over and over again is never, 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 never quit or give up. And God will move in your life. Now, if you need a Bible, raise your hand to get it up real high. Our ushers will get you one. Once you get your hand raised and get you a Bible, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5 is where we're going to begin today. And I'm going to help some of you through the scriptures where you can dream again that regardless of the dead end that's facing you right now, God's still got plans for you. And so we're going to talk about this today and the upcoming weeks. So Begin with me in 2 Corinthians 5. We're going to lay a foundation here. Verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone, if anyone, now I can stop right there and tell you, every one of us in this room are a candidate. When he says anyone, he means anyone. You are a candidate for the kingdom of God. If anyone is in Christ... If anyone is in Christ, now what that means right there is Jesus wants you to allow him to become your identification. That's what it is when I allow Christ to come into my heart, that when I I confess him with my mouth and, and I believe in my heart that he is Lord of my life, he comes in and he changes my identity, that my identity is no longer in what I have or don't have. Whether I have two arms or two legs or I don't have, that's not my identity. But when Jesus comes into my life, my identity now and everything I do is in Christ Jesus. So it goes on to say, if anyone's in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation in my heart. He doesn't change me physically. He comes in the inside of me and he changes my heart. And when he changes your heart, look what it says that'll take place. That old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. And that word noom there reigns in, in regard to form and quality. I don't care who you are, God can come into your heart and he can change you from that old creation into a new creation. So whoever you are and wherever you are and whatever you've been through in life, it's not too late to begin again. The message says right here, that he'll give you a fresh start. And throughout the Bible, fresh starts aren't the exception. Fresh starts are the rule. But the key is this. I've got to have Jesus come into my heart. I've got to get born again. And Jesus said in John 3, he said to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. The way that happens is just like I said, that I believe in my heart and I ask Jesus to come live in my heart. Come and change me. And when Jesus gets on the inside of you, He begins to work and he begins to change you. And so that's the first foundation. Now I want to give you another one. Just turn over a couple pages. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians 12. 
Verse number 9. These are Jesus' words again. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. Now, before we get to, to a little bit here in more depth, we first got to understand what grace isn't and what grace is. Now, in, in Romans chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Shall I continue in sin that grace may abound? And that question there was answered, and he said, Certainly not. Now, this was the Apostle Paul teaching. And so he's telling me and you guys, Grace isn't to, to let me and you sin. Grace is not there for me to live however I want. Grace is, is not for any of those reasons above. But grace is an undeserved favor. Grace is a resource from heaven. Grace is an empowerment from God to help me overcome hardships in my life. Grace is an empowerment for God for me to achieve His plans for my life. And so understand right there that God wants to grace you. He said His grace is sufficient for you. So once again, just as me and you were candidates to become born again and have Christ's identity, God's grace is for you. God wants to grace you. He wants to empower you. Now look what he goes on to say. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. When life throws a detour at you, God's grace is there to strengthen you in your weakness. Now I love this here because God's power is displayed in my weaknesses. And it should give me hope and courage that God is going to he's going to strengthen me. He's going to empower me even when there's weaknesses. So when I put all this verse together right here, I believe he's saying strength and weakness is equivalent to his grace. So whatever you may be going through today, that may look like a weakness, may have you detoured, understand this, that God wants to grace you. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how bad it appears, his grace is sufficient for you. Now, to go on a little further, go with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 4. Hebrews 4, and you're turning there, a lot of times you may say, but I feel stuck, I, I feel like I'm not going anywhere in this thing called life, and ultimately in what happens with every one of us, because of mistakes or bad choices or even sin in our life, we equivalent, or we equivalent that to, to failure, and there's no coming back. This is how it's always going to be. But in God's eyes, God doesn't ever give up on us. God doesn't ever quit on us. And, and God doesn't abandon us. But you know what He does do? He graces us. And so every one of us in this room, He wants to save you and He wants to grace you. And you'll say, well, how does all that take place? Well, look at verse number 12 in Hebrews 4. Or verse 14 in Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Now when you get born again, you say this out of your mouth, that Jesus, I welcome you into my life as Lord and Savior of my life. So he's telling us here, don't ever let go of that confession of faith. Always remember that Jesus is the Lord of my life. Verse 15. 
For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all points was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne room of what? Grace. Now, that phrase there, to come boldly to the throne room of grace, that means without reservation. Now, here's the thing, that when I come to the, bold, the, the throne room of grace, my assignment and your assignment is, I have to come. When you get born again, you have to come to Jesus. Jesus doesn't force you. He doesn't make you. And it's the same way with grace. So I come to the, bowl, the, the throne room of grace boldly, and I say, Father God, I need you to grace me today. I need you to help me today. I need you to strengthen me. Now, note, note some of these things that his grace is for right here. That we come to the, bowl, the, the throne room of grace, that we may obtain mercy for my past, and that we may find grace for my present and my future. When? Or for what? To help in a time of need. So when I read this here, once again, when life has, has thrown a curveball at me, or I've come to a detour in my life, I, I'm, I'm to call on God, I'm to ask God to grace me in that time of need, in that time of help. And when I begin to call out to God, God begins to show up. So this is an invitation right here from Father God. He said, man, I invite you. I welcome you, but you got to make the choice to come. you got to choose to come. Just hear what he, he's talking about. Now, what ultimately happens here is the devil, who's the accuser of the brethren, that's, that's found in Revelations 12.10, he begins to say stuff like this to you. God's quit on you. God's abandoned you. God's so angry with you. God's so disappointed with you. But that's not what God said. God said that I'll help you in your time of need when you come boldly into my throne room of grace. So when you come into the whole throne room of grace, that's, that's not to come in fear. That's not to come with your head ducked and so embarrassed. No, I come into the throne room of grace. And how can I come in boldness? Because of Jesus. Jesus in my heart brings me the identity. I no longer come on my own merits. See, that's what gets us a lot of times. We think, man, I've messed up over and over and I've sinned and I've blown it and I've blown it. But the bottom line is, I'm not coming to the throne room of grace based on my merits. I become a man because who Jesus says I am. And so when you come in that way, you're a son. You're a new creation. I've been marked by the blood of Jesus, and so I can come in boldly. I mean, I can come in with a boldness. And you know what Father God likes? He loves for us to come in boldly. He loves to come, us to come in with that confidence. Now go with me into the Old Testament, to the book of Ruth. Chapter number 1, and you say, where is Ruth? Well, you'll go to Joshua, Judges, and then right before 1 Samuel, Ruth is only four chapters, but this is a great story here of hope. And the goal is this morning is, is to put hope in you no matter what you're encountering in life right now. No matter if you feel like you're in a dead end. 1 Timothy 1.1 says that our hope is in Jesus. So in saying that, we're going to put some Jesus hope in you today to revive you, to get you going again, to see that God's got plans for me. 
Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, and when they judged, guys, there was spiritual confusion and compromise. And there was a famine or drought in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab. Now that word dwell, it indicates a temporary stay. Now it wasn't to be permanent. And so he goes to dwell in the country of Moab, him and his wife and his two sons. Now let me tell you a little bit why it said that he went to dwell there, that it was temporary, he thought. For a person of Bethlehem or Judah to go to Moab, that wasn't progression. That was regression. Because a little history lesson here, the the Moabites were people that were born out of an incest relationship. So for a person from Moab to go to Bethlehem, now that would be progression, but for a person from Bethlehem to go to Moab, that was regression. If you told people in those days, I'm moving to Moab, they'd say, man, what are you been smoking? You don't go to Moab. People don't move to Moab. You move away from Moab. Just to set the tone here a little bit. Verse 2. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malan and Chilion. Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab, but they remained there. So here you see real quick, they think they're going there temporarily, but ultimately they get stuck there. Life detours them there. Now look what starts taking place in verse 3. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, her and her two sons. Man, moving to Moab wasn't a rugged. She gets there and her husband dies. Verse 4. Now the two sons took wives of women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah, the name of the other was Ruth, and they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Malan and Chilion also died, So the woman survived her two sons and her two husbands. So you think about this woman, Naomi. She moves to Moab, and within 10 years, she's lost her husband and her two sons. Her life has literally crashed. And these two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth, they've lost their sons, or they've lost their husbands. So while they're thinking... Can life get any worse? Well, pick up with me in the same chapter, verse number 8. Now, Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. So now these two daughter-in-laws, not only have they lost their husband, their mother-in-law says to them, I'm moving back to Bethlehem, and you two aren't going with me. And so now they're in a great dead end or a detour in life, and they're thinking, what do we do here? So pick up with me in verse number 14. And, And I want you to see here that even when unforeseen events happen in our lives, They can do incredible damage. They can dash your hopes. But I will either trust and and look to God or I'll trust in other things. And so let me ask you a question real quick. What do you do in these situations? How do you react? Because when tragedies come near us in life, you'll either run to God 
or you'll run away from God. And that's what you're going to see here with these two ladies. One of them runs to God, the other one runs away from God. Verse 14. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people, to her gods, to return after her sister-in-law. So when you look at this, this woman named Orpah, when she decides to remain in Moab, she's deciding to live in her past. Because Moab is a place that continually reminds you of your past failures, your past hurts, and your past wounds. Now, when you look at this woman, Orpah here, guys, you see real quick, she kissed her mother-in-law where Ruth clung or cleaved to her. Now, I want to break down verse 15 because there's some great insight in here that we can learn. Let's read it again. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back. I'm going to tell you, anytime we get born again, God doesn't ever want us to go back to the past that we used to live. He wants us to keep going forward. So she's gone back. And where'd she go back to? Her people. The former people that she used to be with, that she used to run with. You know, a lot of times, if you want to know your, your future in life, just look who you're running with right now. And if you're not careful, if you're running with people that always got you in trouble, that'll be where you're headed. I don't care who you are. I remember years ago, my brother would say this to me, you run with the snakes, you're going to get bit. So Orpah here, she makes the decision, number one, I'm going to go back to my past and I'm going to go back to those old people that I used to be around. Look at this and then the next part. And to her gods. Now, if you'll note in that, the word God is spelled little g-o-d-s. And so right here, her trust became into these gods, these false gods, whether it was the things of her life, events of her life, possessions of her life. I don't know what it was, but she returned to gods, not the true God and the living God. And so she's going to live in her past. She's going to live stuck is what she's going to do. And where she's at is going to be a continual reminder of her past. I'm going to tell you, the thing about my past is i got to get rid of it. i got to move forward. And that goes hand in hand with 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and so that's where i got to live. But let's look at Ruth's life now in verse 16. But Ruth said, entreat me or do not force me to leave you or to turn back from following after you. And wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. And listen to this. And your people shall be my people. In other words, I'm not going to go back to the people of my past. I'm going to start hanging out with people of faith. I'm going to start hanging out with people of of character, of kingdom integrity, that don't tell me what I want to hear, but tell me what I need to hear. And look at what she ultimately ends with in this verse here. And she says, and your God will be my God. Note in there, it's big G-O-D. And she says, your God. So right here, when Ruth makes this vow or this oath, 
She understands the character of her mother-in-law's God. And so she says, your God, Yahweh, is going to be my God. I'm going to begin to serve God, and I'm going to begin to seek God. Verse 17. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried, and the Lord do so to me. And there also, if anything but death parts for, for me, you and me. So she's not merely saying this, guys, with her emotions. She's stating this by faith. But what I begin to see here is she's in for the long haul. And Ruth is willing to leave her past. Ruth is saying here, I'm not going to, to stay where I'm at. And so you see here, she understands it's not too late to begin again. But it was a choice of hers. Now, I heard this said years ago, and it always sticks with me. If you're not dead, you're not done. And that's true for every one of us in here. Now, the analogy of all this that we just read, you have Orpah and you have Ruth. Orpah said, I'm going to stay right here. Ruth said, I'm going to move on. Orpah kissed, Ruth cleaved. Orpah dated, Ruth married. And this is big that we figure this out as Christians. God doesn't want us to date Him. God's not into us kissing Him. God is into us cleaving to Him and to marrying Him because when you date, you're there when it's your convenience, on your time. But when you're married, it's all the time. It's all the time. And that's what God's looking for. And so right here, even, even Romans 8.28 comes to, to pass here for Ruth. And God makes all things work together for good to those who love him. See, a lot of times we'll quote that verse. Woo, God makes all things work together for my good. Not if you don't love him. And it's very clear that the description of love, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And so one thing we got to do is we got to get in our hearts. I'm going to love Jesus. I'm going to obey him. I'm going to do the very things that he's asked me to do. So I've got to leave my old past. I've got to get away. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm not the same person. Now to say that, it becomes a, a, a progression. When you get born again, man, you don't start dressing in phone booths and boom, here you are. You keep allowing God to shape you. And you know what? The Bible's clear that God's the potter, we're the clay. So you know what God will begin to do? He'll begin to work those lumps out of you, those air bubbles. As long as what? I keep hanging out at the throne room of grace. Just keep coming to church and keep getting in your Bible and keep hanging around people of God, okay? And I'm telling you, God will work in you. He'll begin to move. Verse 18. Now, this is talking about Naomi, the mother-in-law. And when she saw or realized that she, Ruth, was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Now, this is one of the greatest nuggets that we can have to get us off of a detour right here. I don't care where you are in life, if you'll live determined. I'm not going to stay where I'm at. I'm going to move on. And so right here, within Ruth's heart, you sense a tenacity that says, I will not settle. 
I will not stay where I'm at. And so she lives determined, and she leaves Moab. Now, you can read the rest of this on your own. But I'm going to paraphrase the next few chapters for you. So Ruth leaves Moab, and she goes to Bethlehem. When she gets there, she understands life is not handed to me on a platter. I've got to go to work. So Ruth goes to the field and does what the Bible calls gleaning. Gleaning meant that when the farmers came into their land, they would harvest their crops, their grains, or their fruits, but the corners of their field, they would leave for the poor to come and glean. I want to highlight something there. The farmer did not pick their grains for them. You would go into the field and you would glean. In other words... Things weren't a handout. You're going to have to work. And so day by day by day by day, with that tenacity, Ruth would get up and she would go to work. Now when you were in the field gleaning, you know what that marked you as? You're poor. You're poor, but it didn't bother Ruth. She kept going and she kept going and she kept going. Listen guys, you don't start at the top. You start at the bottom many times. And you keep working your way up. Now, I'm going to go back, way, way, way back, years ago. And this will identify my life. I know there's a lot of you in this room that are a lot older than me. But my first job, well, I had my, my second job, I was a bag boy at a, at a, a, a grocery store called Foodway. Minimum wage at those times was $2.65 an hour. It's a great day. Some of you remember when it was lower than that, or you may remember where there was no minimum wage. Do you know what I realized? I didn't start as the manager of the grocery store. I started down here, but too many people in our society, we don't want to start there. We want to start up here. That's not how it works. But Ruth, you know what she said? I'm willing to do whatever it takes. A tenacity. My first job, guys, I was an eighth grader, and we grew up in, in back in Oklahoma in the summers. And so my uncle would uh, hire us to haul hay. That wasn't a real glamorous job. And if you've ever been around the, the alfalfa fields, you itch and you itch and you itch. And my uncle, he would make those bells of hay 80 pounds. Now, you know what we got paid? A nickel a bale. Ten of them is 50 cents. A hundred of them is five bucks. A thousand of them was 50. And we would usually do about a thousand a day. Now, listen, as, as an eighth grader, man, we would wear gloves and everything because the, 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 the bells that were wired upon there, they tear your fingers up. And we would wear shaps, not to look cool. But man, to keep them things from cutting your leg up. And still to this day, a lot of times when I lift something heavy, I do this. You use that knee and you get where? What am I telling you? You don't start out driving the hay truck. You start out throwing it up. And Ruth right here, guys, she was disciplined to say, I'm going to keep going. And I'm going to keep going to work. And I'm going to keep going to work. And I'm going to keep doing everything that I know to do. Because when I do my part, God will do his part. It may not be on your timetable, but it'll happen. 
And I applaud men and women who've gone to work year after year, day after day, day after week, day after week. And it's not real prestigious, but I just keep doing what I know to do. But Ruth didn't know this, guys. That the very field she was working in was a godly man's field named Boaz. And not only was Boaz a godly man, Boaz had a lot of money. And so I look at it this way, that God orders the steps of a righteous man or woman. And God will favor you. And so this guy named Boaz, he begins to take notice of Ruth. And he begins to inquire and says, who is that woman? And they said, she's a Moabite. And you know what a Moabite meant? She probably didn't have the same color of skin. She was born on the wrong side of the tracks. But it didn't move him. And Boaz said to the workers in his field, he said, listen, don't you guys mess with her and you protect her. And he said, whenever she needs a drink of water, give her mine. And so Ruth keeps going, keeps going, keeps going, taking care of her mother-in-law and herself. And after a period of time, this guy named Boaz, he figures out who her mother-in-law is, and it's Naomi, and he goes to her next of kin, and he says to the guy, he says, listen, You've got to redeem this woman named Naomi. The word redeem means to repurchase, to buy back. Everything that she had lost when she moved to Moab. So he says, redeem her. This man says, I'll do it. Until he finds out that if I redeem Naomi, i got to redeem Ruth too. And he said, I'm not redeeming her because I don't want to lose my inheritance. So this guy named Boaz says, listen buddy. If you won't do it, I'll redeem them both. I'll repurchase them both. And he did. Let me tell you a little bit more about Ruth here real quick. Before long, Ruth marries Boaz. And they have a son named Obed. And Obed later on has a son named Jesse. And Jesse later on has a son named David, better known as King David. And this was a woman who was a Moab. This was a woman who was born on the long side of tracks. This was a woman that if Las Vegas oddsmakers would put odds on her, they said she'll never amount to nothing. But she refused to never, 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 never quit, to never give up. And she lived with a tenacity. And I look at King David, the determination and the tenacity that he lived with, I wonder if that didn't come from the DNA of his, of, of his great-great-grandmother named Ruth. Now I tell you that to tell ones of you, I don't care where you're at. I don't care where you were built, born, what's going on in your life. I don't care if you're a gleaner today. God's got promise for you, and he's got, he's got purpose for you. Now go with me to the book of Galatians chapter 3, and I want you to see this. Galatians chapter 3. You know, with every assignment, there's a starting point. Every assignment. And so the story of Ruth, guys, it goes from, from death and separation to sorrow, but it ends with victory, success, and life. And there was a because factor. And you know what the because factor was? Not only did she refuse to give up, she lived with a determination. And I bless you. I pray blessings over you for you to dream again. 
whether that's to go back to school, whether that's to not give up on your marriage, whether that, that's to say, you know what, I'm going to begin to seek God unlike any other time in my life. And just stay with it and stay with it. And a lot of people will say, but when, Pastor, when? Well, I'm not God, but I do know this, that in Galatians 6, 9, it says, don't grow weary in doing good. For in due season you'll reap if you faint not. Now can I give you a little bit of insight on due season? It's normally a lot longer than you think. But you just keep on. You just keep on. Keep on going to work. Keep on having a good attitude. Keep on having a blessing. Look here in Galatians 3 verse 13. For Christ has redeemed us. For Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. So just as Boaz redeemed Ruth, Jesus has redeemed us. Jesus has repurchased me. He's bought me. And every one of us in this room, we were bought with a price and paid in full with one sacrifice And with it came only a warranty that Jesus could make. And you know what that warranty says? I've redeemed you from the curse. The curse was poverty, sickness, and death. So Jesus says, I'm going to buy you back where you can have life, you can have health, and you can have prosperity. And you know what that means? I just keep doing my part, and Jesus will do his. But understand, man, I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed from poverty, sickness, and death. So I go back and I look at all this that we talk about. Number one, I've got to be born again. I've got to give my heart to Jesus. And maybe you're born again and you gave your heart to Jesus, but you've gone backwards, so you, re- you need to rededicate your life to You need to come back to the house of God. And that must be a choice of yours. Number two is I understand what grace is And I learned to start coming to the throne room of grace every day. Every day. Father God, I welcome your grace. The third thing that you begin to see here is that that I've got to live under the redemptive plan of Jesus. You know what that means? Come under the blood of Jesus every day. Come under the blood. And it's this simple. I welcome your grace. I welcome your blood today. But I believe something that needs to be big in our society right now is to live with determination. To live determined. To say, you know what, I don't care what life throws at me. God's got a plan for me. I don't care if I'm born without arms and legs. Like God's got a plan for me. And all this becomes a choice. Where I begin to seek God and I begin to search God. And I say, Father God, grace me. Help me today. I don't know what kind of detours you're in here, but I believe God wants to help you today. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.